In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... to this week by the Catholics. Welcome in to episode 73 of the Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. I am Chase Captain Crunchy Thompson, and I love the Catholics. <laughs> I am Nick, trying not to go nuclear, but scared to death of what this is going to mean. That's two episodes in a row. That you've almost went nuclear. And uh, I noticed that I really got your attention when I say Catholics. You have a little bit of a rep for <laughs> not enjoying the Catholics a lot. Who I mean, yelled at us to stop inviting yes. them, by the way? All right, so we're, we're into episode 73. Uh, anybody know what 73 has to do with Catholics? Um, I, I, I do not, okay. actually. There are 73 books in the Catholic Bible. Oh, nice. But here is a uh, – I want to read you a quote here from the CatholicDoors.com website where okay. I was doing a little research. There are 73 books in the Catholic Holy Bible. If you have a Bible that does not have 73 books in it, it's not a Catholic Bible. If it has 66 books, it belongs to one of the Protestant religions. If it has a different number of books, it belongs to one of the thousands of different religions on earth. Non-Catholic Bibles are not the same as the Catholic Bible. Non-Catholics have changed the words, removed verses that they didn't agree with. The Catholic Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. All other Bibles are not. Catholics should never use a non-Catholic Bible. They will be deceived. Well, that's uh, that's really meaty stuff there to Pretty start rough. off with, man. Don't talk about that's that. good. Not really. Uh, I'll just say um, I disagree. How about that? Okay, I disagree too, Nick. I agree with you all in my disagreement. In that's your face, Bell cool. of the Dragon. I didn't get that. Hmm. Episode seventy-three of the Gospel Friends. Welcome in if you're a first-time listener. It's that book that J.K. Rowling and C.S. Lewis wrote together. <laughs> awesome. If this is your first-time listener, uh, we welcome you. You can find past episodes by going to our website, thegospelfriends.com. Uh, there you'll have the links where you could subscribe, and we would love for you to subscribe. We would also love for you to give us a shout-out, uh, perhaps a, a nice review on iTunes. We haven't had a nice review in a while on iTunes that I know of. Um, haven't haven't checked in a little bit. Chase, yeah, should we be keeping up with that? Yeah, we need no. some reviews on iTunes. That would be great. You can um, also contact us in a variety of ways, including the Twitter at my gospel friends or email thegospelfriends at gmail dot com. Want to give a shout out to a few of our loyal listeners, Nathan Martin, who um, is a big proponent of our show and really works hard behind the scenes trying to give us new ideas and uh, actually sent us a proposal on email this week uh, just kind of talking about the show. So we really appreciate Nathan. Yeah, and he and his helped investment. us get uh, Rick Warren on last week. So thanks for that, Nathan. Yeah. That was, was a good show. I missed that. Well, I mean, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have been here. It didn't get recorded. Raise your hand if Nathan has spent some time in your living room watching football. Nice. Yep, that would be me. Uh, also, shout out to Chris Atwood, one of our favorite Hall of Dogma members. Hall of Dogma is our Facebook group, by the way, hallofdogma.com, or you can go to Facebook slash Hall of Dogma. Send a request, we'll let you in. We talk about theology and culture and 
uh, people just have a really good time in there with other topics as well. Chris Atwood, loyal listener to the show, who just received a new pastorate position. He's moving. Uh, and uh, Congratulations. Yeah, a church in East Ohio that Chris is going to be pastoring. So congratulations to him. I think that is great. And also just a... Um, you know, obvious obedience to the Lord to move from family and friends to follow his call. And I know that him and his wife, Debbie, really prayed over that. And so uh, very thankful for them and thankful for them listening. And uh, we're also broadcasting on Periscope tonight. Yep. And someone was yelling on the Periscope to stop inviting them. What does yep. that mean? Oh, well, uh, we're watching currently, David, on the My Gospel Friends account, although I'm broadcasting from the Chase A. Thompson account. And at the beginning of the show, I usually invite people, and uh, that gentleman was was yelling about being invited, even though I only did it once. Why – so, like, is he a friend of yours? I don't feed the trolls. I have no idea. (laughs) Not a friend, um, but he's welcome to watch. By the way, earlier, uh, the shout-out, Bell and the Dragon is uh, part of the Apocrypha. Probably, I bet you have, you guys haven't read that one yet. I haven't. It's part of the extended uh, version of the book of Daniel. I believe it's chapter I don't know, 12, 13, 14, something like that. But it's a real Bible book in the Catholic Bible. Okay, haven't heard that. Sure. By the way, I'm being told that um, that if we continue much longer here on the live Periscope feed, that we're probably going to lose a lot of viewers. Apparently in 47 minutes or so, um, I think The Walking Dead come on. Oh, and, and so we don't we don't uh, compare to them. I will say that we're only doing this periscope because people ask for it. Yes. Typically, we did not periscope uh, our second recording of the day, guys. Episode seventy three. We uh, have a lot of um, interesting topics tonight. We're going to start in just a moment with a actually a, a viewer question, question of the week from someone out on Periscope. What happens to those who die having never heard the gospel? That was from Jacob Smith. And we're going to answer that question or attempt to answer it in just a moment. We have What Were You Thinking coming on tonight. Um, several topics there where we look at return. Yeah, we didn't have that last episode. So what were you thinking? We'll take a look at some of the crazy things happening in the world around us. And then uh, for our kind of main segment today, we're going to be talking about should Christians own or use guns for self-defense? Uh, this is Big topic right now, of course, in the United States, gun control, and we we had another tragic mass shooting uh, last week, and in Oregon, uh, in Oregon and uh, very tragic. And so, you know, those it's kind of a raging question right now about gun control in the country. But there is a kind of an underlying question there about Christians and and should Christians own guns? Should Christians use guns for self defense? And actually, one of my kind of heroes of the faith takes a very strong opposition to Christians owning guns for self-defense, and that's Mr. John Piper. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on today in during the show. Anything from you, you guys? Well, I did want to apologize for uh, the, a bit of the delay in getting the show started. Um, I, I had to go to the bathroom, and while I was there, I, there was a nice sitting area in the bathroom, and I, I just... Uh, I just and thought I'd kind of take a lid off and, and have a seat in the in the seating area, oh, yeah. just, which actually go let it go. It, it actually Bye. reminded me of uh, an interesting thing in our um, in my past. I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, thanks to oh, some my. of the wonderful members of the Hall of Dogma Church, we have uh, we have a bathroom here um, that has been decorated with a seating area. It looks very is, nice. It looks very nice. It's very cool. 
Um, and it, actually, actually, the uh, person responsible for that is is on Periscope right now. Well, okay, then hopefully yeah. she'll appreciate this story because in my high school that I went to, there was also a seating area in the boys' bathroom that I always found this fascinating. There were three stalls and two urinals, and directly across from the three stalls, there was a couch facing the stalls about five and a half feet away from where the door would be if there were doors there. But in this particular case, there were no doors. Excuse me? On our high school bathrooms, (laughs) there were no doors to the boys' room. Really? And there was a couch that faced those doorless toilets. So if you had to go in there and Go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Take a load off. Yes. You did not have any privacy, as our British friends would say. And in my high school, the first couple of years I was there, we had a um, uh, a maintenance engineer, uh, which you used to call janitor. I don't think you call them anymore. And he was in the habit of, at lunchtime, going into that couch, sitting there, and for about 30 minutes or so, very casually, eating his sandwiches. <laughs> oh, no. Wait a minute. He, he would eat his sandwich on the couch while people came into the bathroom? On the couch while people came to the bathroom, and he was facing the three stalls. So if you did anything in the three stalls, he was facing you just about eight feet away. Is it is it possible that uh, maybe he should have been arrested? You know, oh, I, we wow. all wow. wondered if there was something skeevy going on there. But honestly, I think that's just where he sat and ate his sandwich. So was it meant to be a lounging couch, or was it meant to I, be a viewing couch? I don't know, David, but I will tell you that's my, that's my first experience as a young man with a, take a sitting on area. He would, and some people did. But as you can imagine, a high school boy's bathroom, it smelled terrible. I could barely stand being in there for 30 seconds or so because it, was, it, was, it didn't have good air circulation. There were yeah. no doors on the stalls. It was just a terrible place. And some poor gentleman every day ate his lunch there. Well, I just want to say that is a um, that is a wonderful story to begin the episode uh, with. I hope and, I hope you got I, a lot. I think, out I of think it. that I, I did, and I think that gives the viewers, especially if you're a, a listener, first time listener, that, yeah. that gives you a lot to understand what this podcast yes. is about. A lot so, of deep, yeah, spiritual truths. Danielle in that story. on the Periscope just said that she was, um, you know, she said poop story. Glad I didn't miss it. So yeah, apparently well, she's yeah. gotten used yeah. to this podcast. I, I do. Hope want you guys were blessed. By two, that. two things I want to point and out. Encouraged. Two things I want to point out. Number okay. one, the uh, the lady who made the the sitting area a hero this, of mine. Yeah, other she, than her, I pointed out college football. I choice. pointed out on the on the last time you brought this up. Yes, and so did Nick. That it's a handicap. Bathroom, and so the idea right. was that I don't would think be. You can use that word anymore. That's offensive. <laughs> well, the sign on the door says handicap. Physically challenged. So. Does it really say handicapped on the door? So that would be. What okay. do you say? Welcome to the 1970s. We don't use that word anymore. What do we use? It's offensive. What do we use? Wonderful. Okay. It's a wonderful. So it's, it's for it's for wonderful people. Yes. Who may have caregivers, and the caregivers would sit in that area. Whoa! So, really? Is that true? Yeah, that was yes. kind of the idea behind it. Well, that's fantastic. Which we tried to explain to you the last time, but you're. I, I didn't listen to it the last second time. Thing, second, second interesting thing is your wife is is viewing the show on Periscope. Right oh, is she really? Yeah. I don't and think she's feeling very good. And she, she I heard love you sharing about I hope you feel better. A strange man staring at you when you went to the bathroom. No, 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 I would not. I would not be stared at. 
I would not use the bathroom. There were many other mm. options, including time. Well, thanks I for sharing that. I will say, if you, if you want to hear a an actual f- funny bathroom story. I thought that was kind of funny. It was, it was a little funny. Okay. It, it, it was not funny. It was a little weird. Yeah, well, I mean. But there is a funny story. I, I can't wait to To be it. shared. Uh, no, if you go back to thegospelfriends.com and look for an early episode known as Stall Wars, <laughs> you can actually funny. hear a, uh, a a bathroom mishap <laughs> that... Um, hey, by the way, Daniel Lee is not a girl. <laughs> he's He's a man. <laughs> you know what? Wow. Okay, so I looked down, and I just glanced at it, and I thought it said Daniel. Yeah, in your face, Danielle. It didn't. It said it said it didn't say Danielle. It said Daniel Lee. Yeah, yeah, okay, Daniel, I apologize uh, profusely. So anyway, Star Wars early that didn't episode. Profuse. Early episode of the Gospel Friends. Uh, go check that out. And um, pretty funny stuff. All right, let's get started. Segment one. This came from listener, Periscope listener, or viewer. Jacob Smith, who asked, what happens to those who die not hearing the gospel? So a person who has never heard the gospel, and they die, what? We're going to go from the bathroom story into that discussion? Yes, that's how we roll here on the gospel friends. Whiplash. There you go. What happens to those who have never heard the gospel? I have, um, I would... I've been asked this question many, many times uh, or gotten into a discussion um, about this with other believers and also people, quite honestly, who are not believers. So this is a question that that tends to really intrigue people. Um, And and after thousands of years of people debating this issue, we are going to clear it up for you here tonight on The Gospel Friends. So take it away, Chase. That's fantastic. (laughs) I I hope you enjoyed the bathroom story and – Okay, so here, here's the thing. Generally speaking, this question is framed in a particular way, and, and it generally goes like this. I don't know why Africa usually gets singled out, <laughs> um, but generally speaking, people say, what happens to the poor person born in Africa, the poor innocent person born in Africa who – Uh, never hears the gospel his entire life, never hears that Jesus died on the cross in his place for his sins, never has the opportunity to turn to God in faith believing through Jesus and and be saved. And so what happens to the poor innocent person in Africa who never hears the good news, lives a good life, worships what he knows of God, does his best and dies. Uh, 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 can I answer? Can I answer? Can I answer? Oh, please be my guest. Okay. If there was an innocent person in Africa, he could go to heaven. Yes. Okay. That that's that and that that just about boils it down. If there was an innocent person in Africa or Thailand or um, Coleman, Alabama, or Puerto Rico, or shout out to Daniel, Terry Daniel, actually, but, yeah. uh, that's what I was trying to do there. Okay. Sorry. Um, or Tampa. Florida or or anywhere, if there was an innocent person there, they lived their life uh, sin-free in, in true innocence and they died, they would indeed um, go to heaven, which is a place for people that have never committed sin. Um, but as Daniel Lee points out, there are not any innocent people in Coleman. I've been Coleman. Amen. I'm from Jasper, so. I've been to Africa. There are not any innocent people in Africa. So essentially the question, as it's often asked, is 
flawed. Um, that's that's the that's part one of the answer, and that that the fact of the matter is there are nobody, there is no person in the world innocent. For as Paul says in the letter of Romans, which is basically an entire letter letter that discusses this issue as well as many others, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the payment for sin is death. So it's quite a conundrum. All who uh, the Bible apparently teaches that all who die apart from Jesus are doomed to hell, right? Yes. Okay, so let, let's kind of let's let's kind of explore that. I, we could ask the question, why is that? Um, but but the first question I want to ask, and I'll throw it out to both of you guys, is uh, is is that accurate? Is, is does the Bible really teach that all who die apart from Jesus, in other words, the the poor gentleman in Africa, the poor lady in Asia, or the per, poor person in uh, northern Canada who has never heard the gospel, uh, does the Bible teach that all who die apart from Jesus, are they doomed to hell? Does the Bible really teach what we think it teaches? All right, so I think the Bible teaches that um, God is the, the lawgiver and the judge of all the earth. Uh, I think that's in James 4. So God is, God is the lawgiver and the judge. He is the judge of all the earth, and everyone, everyone will one day stand before God in judgment. In Romans 3, one of many passages that tell us that um, that we have sinned, we are guilty, and Romans 3 talks about that there, um, that every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person is guilty before God. We have sinned, and because of that, we are due the punishment of that sin, and, and the the punishment for sin, rebellion against a infinitely holy God is, is death. And, and God cannot just, will not, out of his justice, just overlook sin. Proverbs seventeen fifteen says that he who justifies the wicked, declares them not guilty, um, is, a, is an abomination before the Lord. Mm. And, and, and we get that. I mean, I, I think people really... I think really, people use that to criticize this theology or criticize God, but we get that. It, there is no one, if you, had a, if you had someone who, let's say, murdered a small child. So you have a man who murders a, a, a three-year-old little uh, girl, and he gets caught, and he's brought before a judge, and that judge looks at him and says, you know what, uh, you did this horrendous thing, but for the most part, you've been pretty good your whole life. I'm going to let you go. No one would say that that judge was just, that, that, that he was a good judge. Uh, everyone would say that he is an unjust judge. And so God is a just judge. He is not going to just overlook the guilty, but he is a loving and merciful God, and he planned our salvation by sending his Son into his creation in order to step into our place and accept our sentence of death on our behalf. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, um, that person is justly declared not guilty by Christ because Christ has paid the price for them. And so apart from Jesus, there is no other salvation because everyone 
is guilty. And I think even I think Romans one points that out that 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 everybody is everybody knows there's a God. Everybody knows that they can see it in creation, and we're all guilty. So we all will stand before God as judge, and without Christ. We do not have any hope of salvation. So, yes, I, I believe the Bible lays it out. If you die apart from Christ, without him, there is no hope for salvation. So the, the Romans 1 passage, David, you're talking about is uh, Romans 1. I think you're, you're talking about Romans 1, 18 through 23. I think I want to read that real quick. Um, God shows his anger. This is the New Living Translation. We had a discussion about translations a couple of weeks ago. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who sh- suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. And Faith Player 5 on the Periscope has asked us, how can somebody rebel against something they don't even know? And Paul tells us in Romans that they do know through the the, the revelation of the world, through general revelation, um, that they do know that God has made things. They do know something about the eternal power and divine nature of God. Now pick up verse 21. They know God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds become dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And so usually I find the I find the question phrased like this and actually teaching a New Testament class this past week I had one of the ladies in my class ask what I thought was a very good question. Um I, I said generally in these discussions we think that God is not doing right by not extending mercy to everybody. And she said, well, God should do that. God should extend mercy to everybody because mercy is good. And you know what? Mercy is good. But I find in her statement, which I think I understand to a degree, I find in her statement a level of entitlement, maybe, that is pretty prominently found among millennials and really, I guess, humanity. And that is, we all deserve a chance to be saved. We all deserve the mercy of God because it's good to be merciful. How would you respond to that, David? How would I respond to that? Um, I I don't think anyone deserves salvation. Um, I'm I'm I don't think that. Yeah, I, I think if we had rebelled against God. Which I, I believe we have, and I, I think we see that in ourselves. I mean, sin. And there's someone on Periscope is going to ask a lot of these questions, you know, kind of pressing back on some of these things. But I, I would just say, sin is a perversion of all that God has given. So if you just if you just look at that, I mean, God gave truth, and the opposite of that is is deception. God gave love. The opposite of that is hatred. God gave life. The opposite is death. Every everything's a perversion. Sin is a perversion of what God has given, and we're all guilty of sin. And so if that's the case, 
if God had looked over all of humanity for all of time and he had chosen to save or rescue two or three people, God was more than fair. Yeah, it's it's not an issue of of what we deserve. It's it's not about that. That is, I wouldn't stake my claim on what I deserve. I tell my kids that all the time. I mean, I think we probably, in, as parents, we, we all have kids that say, "Well, that's not fair." And I mean, we don't give our children what they deserve. People don't want what they deserve, and we certainly don't want what we deserve when it comes to God, because we do not deserve eternal life. So I, I think that's kind of a I don't like starting from that position of, you know, no matter what your views on salvation are, I, I think starting at a place of what is fair or not fair, what we deserve or do not deserve. I think that's a, I think that's a, a bad, um, a bad foundation to start off from because I, I don't think we really want what is fair in that in those terms. You have something to say, Nick? <laughs> this is fun. Um, we've had these, you know, it is conversations like this that are that are part of the impetus for the show. These are the conversations that we used to have into the wee hours of the morning at, at Waffle House. And, and so it's, it's fun because, you know, we have had this conversation amongst us with, with other friends time and time again. And, um, you know, you have the people that come down and you start playing the different theology camps, the reformed versus the, the non-reformed camp. And then, you know, you have, um, I remember, you know, Rob Bell's book came out and, you know, uh, this question got stirred up over. Everybody gets to heaven. Yeah. Everybody gets to heaven. And that's, and that's what you want to say. It's, it's the, um, it's the Facebook Jesus you see all the time, um, where it's, it's all of the stuff that gives you the warm and fuzzy, about um, the Bible or about Jesus, without the reality of it, and and the fact of it, the fact of the matter is these. This is a hard question to stomach because you do see throughout throughout the Word um, there is none righteous, no, not one. All of these different types of things, but you also see um, throughout the Scripture um, a nature of God that um, God does desire that people be saved and. Um, he did go through the trouble of, of making um, forgiveness available through his son. And there are all sorts of testimonials. Um, and, you know, are they fabricated? Or are they stretchings of the truth? I don't know. Um, but there are all sorts of stories about miraculous interventions that have happened in those faraway countries. And so, you know, I, we're, we kind of talked in the last show about the miraculous or not. Um I just I think I would I'm kind of with you guys I would push back on the question just a little bit because um, the Bible talks about um, all sorts of different things pointing to um, there being a creator and um, you hear testimonies of different things that have happened miraculously um, where people have had um, missionary type people in places missionaries can't get to yet things like that so. You're talking about pushing back on it from a sense of that position that Chase was talking about. It's usually asked. Yeah. From this what about the person never heard? Well, yeah, the innocent, pe- the innocent person. Yeah. Kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of ways in which they could have heard. Um, one thing that always came, and we don't have the the time to dive into this here. We've talked. We may have talked about it on other shows or not. One of the things that I know Chase and I have gone down the rabbit trail of. I'm not sure if David and I have, but First Peter three. Um, over into verse 19, uh, starting verse 18, excuse me, for Christ also suffered once for sins, um, 
the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. And it's it's interesting because there's there's a, a school of thought, um, and, and I'm not saying I, I wholeheartedly agree with this. I, I'm probably in my millennial entitled state. I want this to be true for people, um, that there's the idea that those who... You know, the word talks about creation having called out to creator, and those who acknowledge that there is a, a greater being, being. And, it, and it gets very hippy dippy, and that's why I stay very far away from it because I also understand First Timothy, um, where it says there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Um, and, and so, there is only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. I, I and I am not going to ever ever push back against that. Um, but those two things to me have a, a balance that Jesus is the one who makes the final call on judgment day of I, c- I cover him. I don't cover them. And, and so very Calvinistic of you, um, or biblical. Um, that's not just Calvinistic. Um, or okay. Calvin, we're going to, we're going to is biblical. Oh, see. Oh, I'm sorry. I just kidding. I think you made a good point. I was just <sighs> doing what I do there at the end. So. Two quick you, things. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you've been adding fingers as I've been talking. Two quick Go things ahead. for me. Number one, uh, when I get asked that question, uh, what happens to those who die having not heard the gospel? I tend to say, you know, the Bible doesn't clearly lay out mm. that question and answer. So, uh, Not I, in that form. Not in that form. I think you can make some inferences. I think sure. you can take principles and things like that. But, I mean, at the you know, kind of bottom line, it is not, it's not something that it gives the question and answer. Um, what we, we do see, we, we know that, like, there was a, a child that passed away. David had a child. That child passed away, and mm. David believed that he would see that child in heaven. Mm. And so, you know, from the character of God and from those kinds of principles in Scripture, we believe that there are, you know, those incapable of understanding the gospel, that um, at least, you know, that, that, that God is providing a way there. Um, and... But I would say that when God, for those children or, or for those incapable of understanding, we see that in Scripture, that it is still the blood of Christ that is applied to them in some way. I don't think there's a backdoor channel for them to get in. Somehow it is the blood of Christ that is applied to them in, in a way that we don't understand. So I think it's it's only Jesus, and, and, and we have to know that. We have to know it is only Christ, and, and, and no matter what, it is only through him that we have hope and that we can go to heaven. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that this is where it illogically falls apart for me to say that if someone has never heard the gospel, that God would allow them into heaven because otherwise it wouldn't be fair. And that is that if that's the case— then the worst thing you could do for someone is share the gospel with them. <laughs> yes. Because if you had an island of people somewhere and there was, let's say, 50 people on it and they'd never heard the gospel, then by that logic, they're all going to heaven. So the last thing in the world you want to do is go to that island and proclaim Jesus to them because now they're responsible they for Jesus and yeah. now they might not go to heaven. And the Bible puts such an urgency on evangelism that it's just not logical to me that – there's a free pass for those who've never heard the gospel. I just don't think that lines up in Scripture. I agree with that. You could also ask the question, well, why did Jesus have to die um, if it it was just going to be possible for everybody to enter into heaven? Why did Jesus have to suffer and die to satisfy 
the payment for sin. And I think ultimately you, you can you can raise some issues here. You can scratch your head. C.S. Lewis did that. C.S. Lewis believed that there were people who could die apart from Jesus, followers of Islam, for instance, who were genuinely trying to follow God in a good way. C.S. Lewis appeared to believe that those people would actually be saved through Jesus even though they would not have called themselves Christians at all. He talks about that a little bit in the seventh book of the Narnia trilogy called The Last Battle. I don't agree with him. I I think he's wrong. You you can look at some passages like John 941. It talks about how um, Jesus is challenging the Pharisees, and he says to them, if you – but you're guilty because you claim to see – claim to be able to see. You would not be guilty if you uh, genuinely could not see. Now, I don't think that's a salvation verse. It's an interesting passage, though. Luke 1248 is interesting. Well, I'm sorry. I I think of – uh, all all sympathy. I, I think of um, friends that we know whose children uh, have significant mental impairment. Yeah. Um, I th- I think of those as people that cannot see in my mind. Um, well, I, anyway, the, the children issue is I, I yeah. think probably a discussion for another show. Maybe a discussion for the next show. I personally think that you can make a biblical case that uh, young children. The, the Bible doesn't use the phrase age of accountability, but I think that is a principle. Yeah. yeah. Good discussion. Maybe we should add that to the next show. I think so. I know that we, you and I have had that. That was a, that was a Waffle House talk you and I had it years ago, yeah. six, seven years ago. So well, Let me say one last thing, and okay. that is John 14. And then we're going to make a transition. Jesus told him, I am so. the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I believe that is a universal truth. The only way to the Father and thus the only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Send your comments to um, the Bible at thebible.com. No, I forgot our web, our, our Gmail. The Gospel uh, Friends at friends gmail.com. At my Gospel Friends on Twitter. Or a voicemail. You can leave us a voicemail, and if it's not profane, we might play it on the air. Wow. 205-575-9735 or speakpipe.com slash the gospel. That would be speakpipe.com. Speakpipe. Did I not say that? No, you did. I was just kind of going behind you and like doing like an echo. Did we say hallofdogma.com? Hallofdogma.com. Yeah, that's our Facebook group. Miss Atwood. join that. Miss Atwood. Especially you, Faith Player 5. Yeah, good Thank job. You. First time viewing. Join us. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. We would love that. You can go to thegospelfriends.com and, and make that subscription. And it would make us happy. Or just Google the Gospel Runs. And give us a review on iTunes because we're thirsty. See, episode thirsty. 72. Hey, um, <laughs> meanwhile, at the Hall of Dogma. Wait for it. That was awful. <laughs> so it's, it's that now, at the right time. Yeah, it's now time for What right. Were You Thinking? This is the uh, segment where we take a look at the crazy, crazy world around us. We're a little pressed for time tonight because, you know, we have families and we haven't eaten in several hours. And I'm kind of hungry. And we're Americans and we want food. Yeah, so we're going to kind of probably narrow this down just a couple of. I don't know, maybe not. I hope not. Scoot scoot over. Get away from me. Oh, wow. All right, so let's let's look at. I've washed my hands. Uh, let's uh, we should take a look at a couple of uh, stories here. We're going to start in the UK. Our friends over at the uh, pond, University of Kentucky. No, no, no. The British mm. people. We have listeners over there. The people like, you're um, obsessed with, Chris Stoddard. Oh yeah, and uh, over in uh, <laughs> love those British. Don't, folks. don't make it. Ireland creepy, is um, Ian Mackey. 
No, no, no. I, I believe he's also part of the the uh, just Northern He's not part in Ireland. Oh, uh, well, I guess. It's how about James, James McSorley? Yes, McSorley is in, in Ireland. Ireland. So Ian is over in uh, – he's wow. in the UK as well. Yes. Anyway, how about this? A one-third of British vegetarians admit they eat meat when they're drunk. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> how did you get there? A new survey says more than a third of vegetarians in Britain eat meat when they've had too much to drink. What's more, they're sneaky about it with 69% saying that they never fess up, apparently unless they're asking a survey. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, when, that's what you talk about. <laughs> uh, they studied uh, 1,700 British vegetarians. That is a lot of vegetarians. That is a lot you of vegetarians. You are missing out, Dude, people. There is are. so much good meat in the world. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's steak and chicken and reindeer bacon, sausage, sausage and bacon and mallard jerky and all kinds mm-hmm. of good food. So anyway, more than a third uh, revealed they go beast mode every time on drunk night out. Beast mode? <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I'm sure the pun kebab, was absolutely intended. Kebab was the most popular relapse of choice, followed by burgers. I could eat a good burger right now. Dude, I would like to bacon, a steak, fried chicken, and Arr. sausage. Arr. Sausages, according to steak, is nowhere on that list. That's strange. Uh, let's see. Nope. Burgers, bacon, fried chicken, and sausages. They must have pulled all that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, sausages. They don't eat as many cows in the UK. I don't know. Uh, so here's the question: is is or here's kind of what the study was doing was that essentially vegetarians really do crave meat, whether or not they claim they do, they do, and so when they get drunk and their guard drops, they. They go after what they really crave, which is the, um, you know, the carnivorous stuff. That's interesting. I, I could see that. You know, I, I could see, I could see that. No offense to our vegetarian friends, but there's there's very few things that 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 kind of just when I think about like what you know having to diet and if if it just had to do vegetarian diet, that would be so 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 sad. Yeah, well, you know, the Bible actually kind of talks about that. It it says that if we're not vegetarians, we shouldn't be hard on our vegetarian brothers. But it's kind of kind of got kind of a little underhanded sort of poke. You know, hey, you guys don't have to be vegetarians or nothing. But if you got weaker faith, well, you know, that's cool. We're fine with that. (laughs) Go ahead. Nice. Hey, so um, there was a. Uh, Oh, did you see the video that got posted in the Hall of Dogma of the lady who walked into the restaurant and started talking about – have you guys seen this? Someone posted in the Hall of Dogma. She walked in and basically just started talking about this friend of hers who was being held captive and she was going to be murdered and no one cared. Yeah, and it ended up being a chicken. Oh, my. Yeah, she was like a – She was an activist. An activist. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty – Funny video there in the Hall of Dogma, or not funny if if you know you really love chickens for the purpose of pets or something. In a world where children Heresy are so blankets, ru- the airwaves routinely the religious stuff shirts. Yeah, I okay, that. go ahead. Uh, in a world where where children are so routinely abused, uh, women are 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 treated so poorly in, in, in a lot of cases. In a world where we have um, uh, sexual trafficking and all of these things. Why do you make chickens your cause? Actually, this chicken's name was Snow. Someone just posted in Periscope, reminded me it's uh, Snow. Snow's the chicken. Fantastic. Yeah. 
So I don't know. And, and I don't probably in cruelty here's, to animals, here's the thing. But, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush like you did last time. I do that a lot. But prayer, actually, more than likely, they're probably pro-choice when it comes to abortion. Yeah, and that's also kind of which is kind of fascinating. Extremely odd. Yeah. But she, she might not be. I don't know. I'd rather have a good cow than a chicken, but that's just me. All right. How about let's go to Florida for our other. I love Florida. What were you thinking? I love Florida wow. too. Um, but uh, we had a unfortunate incident in Florida. Woman's eye sealed shut. Oh no! After friend mistakes glue for eye drops. Oh no! I actually read this story on Not okay. uh, several several websites and uh, found it kind of intriguing. But uh, Catherine Gatos of Lontana, Florida, mm-hmm. got a pr- piece of debris in her eye while blowing leaves out last week. She called to a friend for help. But instead of, of coming back with eye drops, the friend returned with a small bottle of fingernail glue, Mm-mm. a product that can be used to apply artificial nails. Oh, my God. As soon as I felt it in my eye, I felt it burn. I closed my eyes and screamed, mm. call 911. Um, eight days after the accident, her eye was still stuck shut. Now, the, oh interesting, thing, the interesting thing about this was that the, uh, they had an eye doctor. I read this on CNN, and the, there was a, an eye doctor said – that um, that this is more common than you think. That they have seen many, many cases of people mistaking, just reaching in a person, mistaking super glue, some kind of little thing of glue for eye drop, and and gluing their eye shut. And they said if it happens, most of the time you just see an eye doctor, but don't panic because t- typically your eye will be able to take care of it over time, and and it will you know, blink out the glue. And mm. But eight days later, it. yeah, eight days later. Yeah. I would have freaked out by that. You know what? That's a big mistake. Would you, could you still be friends with somebody when you get something in your eye and say, help me, help me, and they just grab some freaking crazy glue and say, here, let's put this in your eye? For some reason, it's it's something I'm picturing out of like a old John Candy movie or something like that. You know, somebody uh, hands you the wrong thing and you, you drink the wrong thing. Or You got any good drinking the wrong thing stories you could share? Oh, um, <laughs> We, we, I do. In fact, we have a mutual friend. Who we do have a mutual friend, uh, a host uh, of this show from He's time been on to here. time. Not the general. Um, not the general. Well, we can't narrow it down much more than that. No. But uh, on the way somewhere, uh, maybe a funeral or something, uh, they could not stop their I son. I believe had to relieve himself into a cup. They left the cup in the van, went to said activity, got back in. The father said, my, 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 thirsty. I am thirsty. Thirstier than Chase on social media. <laughs> that's that's pretty thirsty. And he guzzled uh, a big swig of that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just an awful story. Danielle, but it really happened. Danielle on Periscope said um, she drank some of her brother's dip spit one time. Oh, yeah. Done that. That's Daniel. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Daniel. Daniel Lee. A man. I'm just messing with Daniel. He's probably bigger than you, too. I like Daniel. That's not right. All right. Uh, has a lot of guns, too. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Uh, that was what oh. were you thinking for the week. Sorry that it has to be a little short, but um, there was an interesting one you sent about the uh, – I read about the when the Jets went to play in the yep. U.K. They shipped over 350 – Three hundred fifty rolls, 350 rolls of toilet, of toilet paper, paper yeah. because they were afraid that uh, they well, wanted things to be the, just like 
Yeah. It was uh, just like it yeah. is here in the U.S., in the U.K. So which, which got me wondering, like, I mean, do they not have toilet paper in the U.K.? They do, but apparently they had heard rumors that it was flimsier. And so they decided to bring their own paper. Yeah, they did. So they said that they had to make things exactly like it was here, and yeah. they just had to kind of control everything. And it talked about, like, even when they entered the airport, they wouldn't let any of their you know, players go to the duty-free shops. Uh huh. So they just had to had to keep hold going. on to their duties. Okay, duty right. duty free. Uh, oh, duty free. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and they different. they mentioned they didn't. You know, they wouldn't want to lose like Ryan Fitzpatrick in the <laughs> duty free shop or something. But I actually thought it would probably be pretty good for him if they lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. Personally, it could help. Yeah. So, have you guys ever traveled out of the country? I, I have. I have a you know son I adopted, and okay. I was gone for like two what, weeks. What was your impression of? You came to the airport. Uh, I knew the answer to the question. Oh, okay. Asking what was your impression of Hong Kong toilet paper? Uh, it was fine. I didn't. I didn't notice a whole lot of difference. But you know, in China, um, now we were in in Hong Kong. It's a more progressive. Used to be a British colony, so it's not not quite the same. But you know, in in those foreign like Asian countries, so we saw them in Japan yeah. at the airport. They have squatties. Yeah. You know, so you you just it's just kind of like a hole. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Do some squatting, but uh, we were good. We had, a, we had a regular week, toilet, and we had <laughs> toilet paper that was it was fine. You know, because because in a lot of countries, to be fair to uh, the Jets, um, the toilet paper's not that great. Yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired. In fact, if you guys have never been to some of the Latin American countries, um, their their sewage systems are set up. So in such a way that you can't actually flush toilet paper. Really? Yeah, you just have to put it in a container next to the toilet. So I'm, I'm going to be honest. This is the second time we've talked about some type of uh, poop on the on this episode, which is a little high for us. We usually That's try to keep that to just one average, time. Yeah. But uh, I will say that um, I think I could – you could pretty much stand most toilet paper if you've ever had to go to the bathroom at the Hollow Dogma Church. Because you know we ordered that toilet paper from treebark.com, I think it's yeah, it's not especially great. Probably British toilet paper. It's time to make another transition. Let's get back to let's get back to a, a more serious discussion here. Meanwhile, in the future, at the Hall of Dogma. Nice. All right, so we're going to discuss um, kind of the issue of. It was not really gun control, but I will say that that's kind of the big topic in the United States right now, um, and it has been for years. But we have had a series of very tragic, um, horrible mass shootings, it seems like, over the last couple of years um, that have happened in various places, uh, movie theaters, um, uh, elementary school, maybe one of the worst uh, yeah, uh, tragic no, worst. events uh, that we've had in this country in my lifetime, um, apart from 9-11. Yeah. Um, the, recently at a community college in Oregon. And uh, so whenever these happen, the, the, the question of gun control comes up. And, and should, you know, should there be stricter rules in the country on guns and owning guns and, and who can own them and how long it takes you to get them and, and various things like that. But kind of an underlying question that runs um, in that vein is, as Christians – should we own guns? So it's it's legal in the country to do so, but should Christians own guns for the purpose of self-defense? Should Christians be prepared to harm someone else or take someone else's life for the out of the purpose of self-defense? And uh, that is a question that 
brings out you know a lot of views and opinions and and ironically I mentioned the first of the show but yeah actually one of one of the guys that I have admired uh, for years and years um, kind of one of my heroes of the faith in terms of just you know current day uh, John Piper um, he takes a very kind of strong stance against Christians I say strong I mean he he very clearly says this is my conviction and I don't wouldn't push this on anyone else, but here is why I would encourage a Christian to not own a gun other than for the purpose of sport, so not for the purpose of self-defense. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll give you his reasons in just a few minutes and actually let you guys kind of weigh in on those. But um, that's the question in, you know, in um, so full disclosure here, I, I am a gun owner and a gun carrier. Knowing you, you probably brought it with you tonight. I, I typically have it pretty close yeah uh Nick i also armed i i grew up i have two guns myself on me do yeah <laughs> okay left and right left and right guns that was uh you see what he did there took you a minute yeah I, you know. I grew up my, my father was a police officer my stepmom was a police officer my grandfather was a police officer i grew up in in and around law enforcement used to go ride with my dad uh a lot of times on his job just just riding with him uh, we grew up with guns in the home. Um, we grew up where I knew where loaded guns were. And my dad, from when I was really young, used to talk to me about gun safety. And if friends came over, we don't get guns out. And if anyone ever asks about getting a gun out, here's what you say or, you know, you, you don't do it. And here's what you say. And so I, mean, I, I grew up in that environment and was very comfortable in it. Um, and, um, you know, I am not a – I have – several guns but it's i don't collect them or anything but i i do i have a license to carry a gun and i do carry one uh so and I'm, i find myself a little at odds with piper although i i, th- I find some of his uh reasoning um quite persuasive so we'll talk about that in a minute but just i will say up front that's where i'm coming from and, and i'll kind of give some thoughts to um my views on it in a moment but open it up to you two guys should christians own guns for the purpose of self-defense i don't you know i'm we're all going to be the same what no you're good keep going okay don't, don't, pay, in, don't pay attention to all no expressions yeah they yeah. mean nothing that one was an awkward one for chase there but um we're all going to kind of fall in the same spot i'm pretty interested to hear what piper has to say and i and i can probably imagine it because you know the, the thought has occurred to me um you know, in, in Alabama, um, we're probably one of the more gun-friendly states in the union. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> open carry is allowed. Um, getting a concealed weapon permit is not difficult. Um, oh, yeah. there's that song by the group Alabama, Two Guns for Every Boy, I think. Right? Is that a real song? No. Okay. <laughs> see, okay, but see, here's the problem. You know what? It could have been. Either one of us were surprised. It, it could have been. I'm not a big Alabama fan, uh, football or Bandwise, so. So why do you live here again? God, I don't you know, even know. I ask that question a lot. I want to move to Ohio, be hang out wow. with the Martins. Wow, and no beach in Ohio. That's true. I want to hang out. I want to move to the beach. Who do we have down there? This a listener. I don't know, but we need to go there. All right, we sorry, sorry, Nick. All right, interrupted you with my. Oh, joke. it's no problem. Um, but we we are. We're going to be one of the more um, <laughs> gun happy um, states in the union. And so I can imagine where where Piper's coming from, but I will admit that there, um, 
if if someone <laughs> comes into my home at night um, or middle of the day and is is posing a threat to my to my wife or children, you know, my hesitation to defend them is very little. Um, where you know, there's a lot of emphasis on on firearms in in our state is. Um, personal protection, uh, carrying, you know, uh, concealed carry. Um, when you're in the car, you go to the store or something like that. Um, and in a situation like that, um, I, I can see someone's concern that um, a firearm would uh, raise the level of tension more than it would um, be a possible solution. Um, and so I can definitely see that more quickly than I could maybe a home defense type of situation. Um, but I am eager to hear Mr. Piper's kind of thoughts on the subject. All right. So I think we should start with, um, I, you know, I, I think for me, one, one, one big thing here on this issue of gun control. And I, I will say that I believe is, is, as a, as a is general, gun control the right terminology for what Piper's advocating? No, it's not for what, but I, okay. I, I'm actually going back to the issue okay. of gun control yep. for just a moment because that's actually kind of what started this whole sure. thing. And, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of things that, that concern me. I, I think that um, when, it, when it comes to that issue of gun control in the country, mm-hmm. I, I think that you tend to see two sides. you got conservatives and liberals, and you got conservatives who – you know, their answer kind of for everything is we just need to arm more people. So, you know, we have these issues. Let's put more guns in more hands and, and, and you know, we're good. And then we got liberals who um, the more liberal idea about gun control is we need less guns in people's hands or no guns at all. And, and, and you know, I, I just, you know, it's people have been murdering people mm-hmm. since the beginning of – Creation, mm-hmm. and they have been they have found ways to right. murder people. Whether very it creative, was very, very creative, creative, so whether you know whatever. So guns, you know, the guns make that easier than killing someone with another type of weapon. You might can make that argument, but I, I don't think if you got rid of all the guns, that's going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I also don't think if you arm everybody, that's mm-hmm. going to solve the problem. I mean, the, the the issue is sin. The issue is. Um, it's it's the sin in the heart of man, and I just it always frustrates me when we have one of these shootings. And the moment it just becomes political, it just becomes about the guns, and and we need more guns, we need less guns, and we just at the same time in this country we're completely running God out of everything. We're completely walking away from His moral law, and then we get focused on these abstract solutions to problems like fewer or lesser guns. And so I, I just, I think the issue is one of the heart and, and, and we're not solving the problem by saying everybody needs to have a gun or no one has a gun. I do think that as a general rule, the Bible lays out that Christians obey the government. So I think if, if the government gets into the place of passing gun control laws, I think it's up to the Christian to obey those as long as they are in place, whatever they look like. Um, and that, that's my view out of Romans, that I, I think we are to obey the government. I also think we have a government set up where we can vote in the people that we want to make the laws that we want. And so I think we can work through that process in order to, you know, to have, have the laws in place that we, that we feel are necessary. Uh, but I don't think the answer when it comes to the gun control issue 
for me is always a matter of more or less guns. Any any comments on that, Mr. Chase, before we move on to should Christians have a gun for self-defense? Uh, I think it's a very nuanced position that you're taking. Um, I agree with it uh, in, in large part. Um, I think it's part of my job today is to give a uh, – is to kind of give the, the John Piper side of the argument. Not not the Piper side of the argument. Since we the, couldn't get Piper. The, the non-pro-gun side of the argument. So, so I'm going to do that. I think you can make a good case – I think I think Piper makes a good case. I, I, I will say that. Here's the thing. Let, let me say this very clearly. Uh, your dad was a police officer. My dad was an arms dealer. So, guns have always okay. He was an arms dealer, but he did have a gun. <laughs> I have a gun. Um, I have more than one gun. Um, Although, if you think someone's breaking into your house, you tend to grab a sword. Well, okay. I have swords and guns. Uh, I am not anti-weapon, but I have wrestled with this question, and I think it's worth wrestling with. I do not trust Barack Obama. I understand. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a hater. I don't trust him, though. Um, I understand that he is preparing executive uh, measures to increase the rigidity of gun controls in the United States of America. By and large, I don't particularly support that. Uh, but but I will say this: I think you can make a good argument that Piper's right that Christians should not use guns for self defense. All right, can and, can I give you his argument and then you? Yeah, yeah, you, go ahead. All right, so here here's Piper's four reasons that he does not encourage owning a gun for self defense purposes. Number one, he says the human heart is quick to anger and vengeance. And that we are not holy enough. He says, I am not holy enough to use a gun in a cross-exalting way. I don't want a gun in my hand trying to subdue my heart. Okay? That's his number one reason. Okay. Number two, he says, the culture around me shows tough-talking um, tough talking and acting men and women with swagger and always needing to get the last word and the last shot. And that's our hero. Uh, our heroes are not typically people in culture that are humble and childlike and Christ-like. And so having a gun uh, tends to uh, – I think his point tends to toward that uh, kind of cultural picture of a hero and always needing to get in the last word and the last shot where the Bible calls us to humility and, and, uh, and being like a child. Number three, he says that Jesus and the apostles discourage us from returning evil for evil. And push us toward being wronged rather than being violent and turning the other cheek. And then finally, number four, he say points out that when Peter uh, cut off the uh, ear uh, of one of the men arresting Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. All who take up the sword will die by the sword. And Piper's take is that what Jesus meant – by that quoting that proverb, is that the mindset that plans to save its life by killing is not inviting the protection of God, but is rather inviting the violence of man. That's his four reasons that he does not own a gun. He, he by the way, has pastored a church and raised a family for over 30 years in downtown urban Minneapolis, and he said that they have um, – God has always protected them. He discourages. He, he's not large. He's about what five four, five three. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You could take him. Uh, he's also very old now. Uh, and um, wow. And he has actually said that for him, if someone broke into his house, he would not kill them because 
he would rather let them kill him because if they kill him, he knows where he's going and it will be joy. But for them, it would be instant hell. Mm. So that's Piper's reasons. So right, look, continue on, Chase. That, that's strong. Here, here's a question. I, I imagine most of the people listening to the show are are pro gun uh, and anti gun control. And get and again, I get that. What do we do as Christians when our political views and the Bible clash a little bit? And I suspect if they do, if they do, if they do. And, and again, I'm a gun owner. Uh, before I was called into ministry, I was going to be uh, uh, an FBI agent. I was in grad school being trained for that. Um, and to be very clear, somebody invades my house uh, looking to harm my kids, I would shoot them without hesitation. That That is my position. But here's where I wrestle. I don't think you can make a New Testament argument that Christians should own and use guns for self-defense. I think Piper is right by that. And if you disagree with me, um, say that one more time. I don't think you can make a New Testament argument okay. that Christians should own and use guns. Okay. I don't think you can make a New Testament argument for self-defense, hmm. uh, especially not uh, capital self-defense or deadly force, okay. so to speak. Um, I, I I think Piper is very very largely right that the Word of God tells us to to turn the other cheek. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Matthew five. Uh, Jesus says, "You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth." But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I, I read that passage, and I say, we Christians should not say no a lot. We Christians, it goes so far, Jesus goes so far as to say, don't resist an evildoer. And I'm like, come on, are you kidding I'm going to shoot an evildoer if he comes into my house. But this is the word of God, and this is this is what it says. And and I think sometimes uh, uh, really, really conservative kind of politicians that are pumping up gun control. For instance, uh, the Tennessee lieutenant governor came out uh, th- this past week and said, uh, every cre- serious Christians should buy a gun um, because our enemies are armed. Well, I don't think Jesus would counsel us to buy a gun. And look, you could come at me with uh, your, you know, your little things like, "Well, Jesus doesn't want us to be a pushover." I, I give me scripture, not not little pithy sayings like that. Um, this this is where I, the, the, again the, this this is the point of my wrestling. Um, I, I will I'll say one more thing. I will point to some guys who are my heroes, who are gun owners. Um, Ed McCulley, Pete Fleming, Roger Udarian, uh, Nate Saint, and Jim Elliott had guns with them in Ecuador January 8, 1956, when they went to take the gospel to the Waironi Indians. Um, they had guns. The Indians that ultimately killed them for sharing their faith had uh, little spears. Um, the men had decided beforehand that they would carry guns. They thought the guns would 
give them a measure of protection. They knew the Indians they were carrying the gospel to. They knew the natives they were carrying the gospel to were hostile and known to attack people. They thought they would carry guns. They would fire the guns into the air as a last resort to ward off an attack. But they decided they would not shoot anyone, even to save their own lives. And sure enough, they were pierced by Auken Spears on January 1956, died martyrs, and inspired millions. And so maybe I would put it like this. It might not be a sin to defend your family from intruders with a gun, but I think what Yadarian and Fleming and Saint and Jim Elliott um, did is better, All right. godlier, more so, biblical. So um, I want to give a few counterpoint thoughts, but I'm going to throw it over to Nick to see if he's got something. So here's where I'm going to I'm going to kind of stick between those two thoughts. Um, a moderate, huh? A moderate. Well, just a, a conundrum. Room. Okay. Um, actually, um, so we are in Gunhappy, Alabama. And so it is not um, far off thought that member or members of our congregation could have firearms on a Sunday morning. And so if there was someone who would pose harm to our fellowship, mothers in our fellowship, children in our fellowship, on a Sunday morning, what would be the appropriate response? Are you you're asking told, uh, yeah. the question? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I I would think the appropriate response would be to stop them. That would be that. That's my view. Uh, and, and I guess that that kind of leads into I th- believe one of the three kind of points that that I wanted to bring up is I believe there's a difference in that and what Jim Elliot did. Okay. Jim Elliot. I don't disagree. And his I'm just kind of friends were called to an area. Where, and to a people that they very clearly felt they were to go to to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. That God had pointed them there, and they went there, and they knew that there was going to be danger, and they knew those people were going to be harmed, and they had weapons, but but they made the decision to not use those. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that God. Um, provided them the grace and the peace to be able to do. And God has used that. God has used that story of what happened them to bring many people to Christ, including the natives they were trying to save Mm -hmm. to begin with. All right, that's an easy argument to make. What is? What you're doing. I agree with you. Argue with I haven't finished. Oh, you don't have to. I I think we would all – Okay, well, let me get it. So the, there's a difference oh in that and someone coming into your home or your church who you are not sharing the gospel with for the purpose of their plan of I'm going to murder you. I think that's a difference. I think saying or take your I think, stuff at any means. I think you. I'm not going to murder you who I'm trying to take the gospel to is different than here these people come and um and, and they're going to they're going to do harm. You know, you can't tell me that if Jesus and the disciples were walking down the road and they saw a young child being raped on the side of the road, that they would not have intervened physically. 
because God's a God of justice. And I think there's a danger in basing all of your theology off one verse. As clear as that verse is, I think we are called to the totality of Scripture. They do what I mentioned earlier. Give me a New Testament argument for self-defense. I believe the disciples carried swords. And I think Jesus knew they did. Well, he actually... There's scripture there. How did, I don't it, that. how did it go? You don't want to go into scripture. No, I'm saying there's scripture there that where he told them to carry them, and scriptures where he told them not to. And there's debate how did over it what he go meant by when that. They used them. the one time that they used them for defense. He it was a rebuke. That's right. But again, were, were they innocent? Who was Peter protecting the yes. innocent? Yes, he Did was. he resist an evil man in that Yes, instance? he did. And it was God's will for him to not do that. Is it always God's will for us to not resist or defend someone who is innocent? Well, I told you what I would do. In that instance. And in Nick's scenario, too, by the way, I've actually – we have armed people here, and, of course, I'm armed. So I've told him before, shoot. I, I'm saying I – But I wrestle with it. I, look, I, I wrestle with it. I'm not I'm – not, I'm, I'm playing a little on the other side – of you to say, um, but I, I, Jesus knew Peter had the sword. Jesus knew he had it. Well, he told him to buy swords, but but so I mean, there was, was something an, he knew they have. And I don't know if Peter had his you know his concealed carry permit for the sword or not. <laughs> but I mean, Jesus knew he had it. Nice. He knew the disciples carried them, and he had not. He could have had the conversation, guys. You put those down. We don't carry swords. We don't need that. You don't ever have them. It is a sin for you to have them. He didn't. Hmm. He rebuked Peter in that moment, but that was very clearly God's will. I mean, Peter had tried several times to talk Jesus out of what Jesus was saying he was going to do. And, you know, I've got to go die. And Peter would say no. And he'd say, get behind me, Satan, because Peter was getting in the way of what God had ordained to happen. So, um, I, I look, I, I, I absolutely agree that the picture of stalking and, and arming yourself to the teeth with guns and walking around like a, a Billy Bad-A and willing to st- – Can you say that? Oh, I don't know. If I can't, Nick will edit it out. Uh, if you – if you you know, I'm going to start a fight wherever I go. You can't tell me anything. I'm going to be a, a roughneck idiot because I have a gun and, and, and I'm going to act how I want to act and – Nobody's going to say a single word to me because if you do, I'm going to blow your head off. I absolutely don't agree with that. I absolutely do not agree with it at all. But I really, 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 really struggle with saying that the Bible forbids any type of weapon of self-defense because I'm, I just don't know that it does. And I, I don't know that that – I mean, I know you. I know you, and I know you really well, and you've already said what you would do if someone came into your house, but I know you, and I know if you knew right now that a mile down the road there was an atrocity happening to a child, you would go stop it. I would. And and I, I don't think that's – And I would probably enjoy it. I don't think that's ungodly. I don't – that's where I wrestle. You know? I, I, I don't, just, I I don't would, see that being ungodly. I don't ungodly. think I would blink if somebody came into my house and, and, and was threatening the kids. I, I wouldn't blink. I wouldn't fe- feel a twinge of guilt. But my issue is that I, that may my, be your flesh. I, I would might be my, that might be See, my I would flesh. be brokenhearted and I would repent on Sunday for having <laughs> murdered someone but, because of having taken a life. But if it's them or my kids, it's them. Uh, let, let me give you Piper's 
let me let me give you Piper's argument that convicts me the most, and I think is the most compelling. Can we just to skip me. over it and just pretend? Here it is, and that is that put your sword back in its place. Piper points out that Jesus didn't say, "Get behind me, Satan! You can't stop this. This is God's will." That he said, "Put the sword back in its place. All who take up the sword will die by the sword." That the mindset that you plan to save your life by killing is not inviting the protection of God. And I think that is a strong argument because I'm a sovereignty guy. Yeah. And so I tend to think if God is calling your, you home, you're going home. Hmm. Gun or not. Gun or not. Yeah. And I tend to think if it's not your time to go home, you're not going home. Gun it's time to be an Arminian. Gun or not. <laughs> and so I tend to think that if – I tend to think that my carrying of gun of a gun is not forbidden by Scripture. I tend to think I'm not convicted otherwise that it's permissible. But it is probably coming from a place of a lack of faith. Well, I, I, I would uh... – Fellow gun carrier, I would have a difficult time disagreeing with that. By the way, bring, I, by the way, bring logic tend, into this. By the way, I tend to carry my gun like in my mind. It is not. You carry your gun in your mind. Hang on, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I tend to carry. I'm doing that thing I do where I yeah. run thoughts together. I tend to carry my gun not with the mindset of having it to kill someone. I carry it as a deterrent. That's that's how it is in my mind. That this is my deterrent. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand. Look, and I, that is my concern about carrying outside of my home is that it, it kind of goes back to what Piper talks about, about how, how few people in this world let it go and how you bring, you put a firearm into a tent situation and how likely is it to calm it down or how and so that is a concern i have so pod podcast um listener periscope watcher and hall of dogma member and former guest host and former guest host and permaculture expert joshua and father of our most recent guest host aaron says there's a distinction between lethal and non-lethal self-defense and um that's where I was going with the deterrent issue. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I honestly, you know, like in my mind, I would want to choose the most non-lethal form. So if I had to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm dead. It, to I, me, I it is a deterrent to get out of the situation. I see what you're Okay, a, a, as a as a last resort, in thinking about my family and you know my kids and things like that, and um, uh, I, I don't, you know, Joshua said there, there's a difference between between those two. He also asked, have we already covered the difference between self-defense as a civilian or self-defense as a soldier oh. and self-defense as a missionary? And we have not, but I, I think self-defense as a soldier or as the, as the government capital punishment, I think Romans uh, is, is pretty clear that that is not outside of the will of God. Which is uh, a piper, piper makes that that if you are, you know, that um, that those, if you can do that without violating your conscience, that that is, uh, that the Bible does give that. It gives that sword over to the government. 
Um, it, but I, again, I think that even brings up questions. So what if you're someone who lives in an area where the police don't cover or don't cover it readily? You know, so the Bible says, well, they have the right to come and defend you because I've, that's permissible, but you don't have the right to do that yourself because, you know, they're not there. So if they're not there, you're just out of luck. I, I don't know. I just think it I just think it branches off into a lot of questions. I agree with you on the verse uh, it's, it, it, and, and, you know, the turn the other cheek verse, but I probably would be the guy who questions what does exactly that mean? Do we build all of our theology of self-defense just on that one verse or not? Or, or is there more other like it? But you understand what I mean about Yeah, you just want to kind of sweep it under the rug. I, I understand. I get it. Hey, listen, we, I'll, I'll take your guns since you're giving them up. If guns are outlawed, <laughs> David, only outlaws will have we'll guns. guns. Uh, all right. Well, we would love to hear your comments and your feedback. Um, and maybe we can bring them up again on the next show. Um, Miss Atwood, by the way, very strongly on Periscope, wanted us to take up the issue of children uh, and whether or not children who pass away go to heaven. I think we can do that in the next show. That, so that will, was, that's a very extended conversation. We'll add that. And if you have any feedback on this gun control issue, um, that uh, you can present an argument perhaps that, uh, strongly in the direction Chase was going, or strongly in the direction I was going, and and by the way, we 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 kind of agreed before the show that somebody needed to present that point very strongly. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you don't believe it, but that was just the the mantle that you said you would easily take up. So um, Chase went that direction, and uh, if you have any feedback of it on that subject, please send it to us, uh, the Gospel Friends at Gmail dot com, mm-hmm. or the other ways that we gave you earlier. Uh, so all of which you can find at the on the site at thegospelfriends.com. So to get out of here, just let's uh, leave on a kind of a lighthearted note tonight. Yeah. Uh, we had a uh, goodness knows we are deep enough into the. Yeah, we had a um, I had a uh, article that was posted in the Hall of Dogma. Who posted it? Uh, who did post this? I actually credit don't know. where credits to you. Who right? posted? Okay, maybe Nick can look it up. See who originally posted it. I'm not sure. Why are you making Nick doing it, man? Okay, because well, I was going to read the article. Do, do you have the article to read? I have the article up in no, front of me. Pull ready it to go. up. I'll, I'll do the hard work, man. Okay. Uh, the the article by Stephen Altrog. Altrogi. Whatever. Early warning signs Altrogi. of adult onset Calvinism. Tony Vance posted that article. Don't forget well, we have some feedback also. I am not surprised. The article says approximately one out of every four Christians will encounter adult-onset Calvinism, commonly known as AOC, during their life, either personally or in someone close to them. It can be a scary thing to encounter, I especially agree. if you're not familiar with the symptoms. The person you oh, symptoms. I'd like to hear some the of these. person you once knew and loved is suddenly a completely different person. Don't panic. It gets better. To help you navigate the treacherous waters of AOC, I've listed the possible symptoms you may encounter. So, oh boy, I'm gonna list, read out some of these guys. You let me know, okay? If uh, you know anyone who who may have this deadly illness, number one, a sudden urge to correct everything and everyone all the time <laughs> about everything possible. Yeah, I've seen that one. You think about yep. Nick? No. Okay. But I've seen that in young Calvinists. All right. Hey, mm. I got one here for you, Chase. A, grow- a growing conviction that every worship song you've ever sung is heretical and should be excised from the church catalog. Uh, I've seen that too. But in 
my defense and others who think like me, <laughs> there are some real clunkers out there. <laughs> Lines that should just be cut out of the songs. Uh, he goes on to say, including the Nicene Creed, the doxology, and most of the Psalms. <laughs> yeah, but, that's funny. Number three, a strange and inexplicable ability to listen to 300 John Piper sermons in a single day. Mm. That's, a, that's pretty advanced because, you know, mathematically speaking, that's difficult. <laughs> he does talk a long time. He does yeah. talk a long Time, a burning passion to convert everyone, especially your extremely godly parents who taught you the Bible, to Calvinism. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I have a I actually larger, know people who. who I have a larger like point. This. Did you just say especially? I said especially. I think you did. We are hungry. Let's wow. move on. I'm a Donald Trump supporter. <laughs> I guess you are, man. I, I hear you. Shout Trump sixteen. Call back to seventy two. Yeah, seventy two. That's a sound bite. I'm really not a Trump supporter, but just go listen to the other episode. Deep suspicion of anything that might cause the slightest bit of emotion in church. Hey yo. I'm not that brand. Did someone Calvinist. just come to mind? Was it the same oh, person? Oh wow. <laughs> Was it the same person for you and I anyway? Mm. We'll have to check later and see. How about a couple more? Being so smug you begin to panic that you won't be able to adequately manifest all the smugness. It's <laughs> good. An unshakable conviction. Tim Keller is too theologically soft. Nice. Wow. Okay, that that's wow. actually kind of that's out there. Oh, that, yes, that, it that is. is definitely that is out there. there. Uh, this was a favorite in the hall. The ability to bring every conversation full circle to Romans nine. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Well, if you feel like David, you just kind of say, "Hey, well, is there any other thing in the Bible except that verse?" Yes, right? there's Romans kinda, nine. You just kind of cut that one out. The gospel. That's what everybody else, else says. Well, yeah. you don't build all your theology of Romans 9. So. Yeah. Well, I, hear you. I, I said one time that the general was working on a book called uh, Scriptures That Calvinists Can't Use Anymore to, <laughs> to argue their point, but <laughs> that it had turned into a very large book. And so it was going to take them a while. Yeah. Uh, let's see if there's any more here. How about um, <laughs> inevitably arriving at the conclusion that John Calvin was not that strong of a Calvinist? <laughs> That's one of the awkward secrets. You, you ever known? Calvinism. You ever known someone who's yeah, more have, Calvin yeah. than Calvin? Maybe to go to church with you. No comment. Just right. have a radio show with him. Wow. Also, no comment. Not even the person I was thinking. But you know what? That one may be right too. Well, dang. Who are you thinking? I'll share with you later. Oh, All geez. right. How about this uh, last one? Growing a beard, but not in a hipster way. This beard is <laughs> way different from hipster beards because it tapers to a point somewhere between the nipples, just like Calvin's beard did. So, I don't know if I can say that or not. I just did. What is it? With no, you can't say that. Not word. Uh, you can't say it in the way you said it. If you or someone you know begins experiencing these symptoms, go to a pastor immediately. It won't make the slightest bit of difference because you were predestined to be a Calvinist, but still, you should probably see a pastor. A good one. Beautiful. So, by the way, I think this was actually written by Rob a Calvinist, kind of right? Pastor. Yeah. This was written by yeah, Calvinist. He's, so. he's funny. Right, I, I, do, I like him. I do want to, before – say Nick has a voicemail for us, so we got some listener feedback. But I do um, – tell you what. On the other side of the feedback, I want to uh, give a book that um, really, really I enjoyed read several Number years nine, ago. Calvinist Very good. favorite part of a Beatles song. Let's play, nice one. Let's play the, uh, the voicemail, and then I'll, I'll give the book on the flip side. It's me again, Barbara McQuellen, just calling you from Saskatoon. We're getting settled down here. Me and Bobby have unpacked all of our stuff again, and 
we just haven't had time to get in touch. Um, but anyway, um, we listened to this week's podcast with Aaron on there. Oh my goodness, it was so great. Oh, and she was so adorable. She was she so was sweet. Can just imagine. No, oh, wasn't she sweet, Bobby? Bobby, she was wonderful, and she was so smart. I can just, I can just picture it. Her and and little Nikki there. Little <laughs> Nikki. Yeah, and and David and Chase. With it, yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of of a couple weeks ago. I had the flu. And Bobby was so sweet. He went and got me candy and, and flowers to, to go along with throwing up and having diarrhea. But anyway, just wanted to call and let you know that that, that was a wonderful broadcast. You'll have to have Erin back on. She did so great. Oh, I loved it, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. So, so the correlation... It seemed Barbara was making between you two. Yeah. Were. That was nice. It's always good to hear mm. from Barbara. Oh, my gosh. I just thought of something. What? We got a voicemail from Mrs. Atwood. Do we? Well, where's it Yes. At? You didn't see it? You you got... Let, let me... While Nick's looking that up, let me just... Let me just say, you guys need to somehow get me in on getting the voicemails because you guys are pretty, pretty bad about... Not we, playing them. That's true. We are and pretty ignoring bad about them. So somehow, how do I get involved in finding getting the voicemails? It involves knowing the password for the Gospel Friends Gmail Which account. Which you probably don't even know. And setting up your Gmail to pull it into your account. Okay, well, I need to do that. Yeah. Did y'all send are. me some instructions on that? Yes. Okay. But I, I guess what we'll do, Mrs. Atwood, is... No, he, he has, oh, you got we, it. We got it. We're ready. Oh, We're ready to go. Hey, look, nice. it's Nick. He's got it. Here we go. In control. Hello, my name is Debbie Atwood, and I'm calling because Chris Atwood kept hounding me because I keep giving like him feedback about the Gospel of Friends, and he's like, just call the number. <laughs> so I called the number. the number. Okay, so first thing is I love how opinionated you guys are about different topics and things, but you absolutely are dudes, and so there is like no women's feedback at all. And so I think that you need to convince your wives to come on the show sometimes and give their opinions and feedbacks about different things. Because if not, then it's hard for women to relate to whatever it is you're talking about. Serious stuff, funny stuff, doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, I just watched the Periscope of the two... the two uh, teenage girls talking about social media, perfect, because they could give their input, and you could give your adult dad input, too. There was only one teenage Anyway, girl. so that's what I think so about, about What was the other thing I said? No. Chris. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Happy... What? Juicer out. Hashtag juicer out. Bye. Okay. That, wait, wait, wait. There's wait. Another, oh, there's another one. So wait. Chris yeah. remembered. Okay, okay. All right. That that was awesome. Hi, this point. is the juicer again. Also, Mr. Atwood's bride. Um, this is my second message. I would like to let you know that I love the Periscope. 
So I think you guys need to like do that all the time. Honestly, okay. hate to say it, think the Periscope's funnier than the podcast because you actually get to see like what's going on. Plus, you edit stuff out, and that's no fun. Um, and then I also would love it if you could send that that almond joy coconut delicious. Um, cereal from Hungary. You could send that to uh, to me because I love almond joy, I love coconut, and so it's that's that. it. And I'm going to bed because I have twins. That good night. Whoa! All right. The so, last time I said that might wake up. Bless them because they do have what nine month old twins. Yes, they do. And so yeah. all of Dogma community, please pray for the Atwoods. All right. So here's the thing. I think she makes an excellent point. We've talked about having our. Why are you pointing at the camera? You're not going to lecture her, are you? No. It was oh, just or, this was me. Is, remembering. He, is he awake? <laughs> no. I think she makes a good point. We should have – she said we should have our wives on the show to yeah. to get a female perspective because essentially we're dudes. dudes. Debbie, my wife is in the Hall of Dogma. I so kind of like being please. called a dude. We are dudes. Reach out to her because otherwise – would know because she is married to a dude. I mean yeah. Chris is a dude. He is a dude. Classic. Yep. So – You uh, got to see it. We should have we should have women on the show talk about their views. And, and my wife would come – my wife loves the show, but I, I sometimes get the feeling that – that's not the case all the way around the table. Lisa's in full support of the show. Would she come on if we ask her to? Oh, no. Okay. She totally would not. I bet she would if Janet did. Would Janet come on the show? I think she would. You think so? You know, she's not a fan of the show per se, but she actually does watch on the Periscope. From She's not a fan of the show, but she would be a fan. She would come on. Oh, yeah. I okay. So. I, look, I, we could try. We've talked about it multiple you know who I? You know who I would have on the show? Oh, please. Debbie. Oh, absolutely. So, Debbie, you give us a topic that you find interesting that you want to talk about. Yeah. We'll it's happen. not too girly. Like, I mean, don't don't come here like, you know, we, we'll talk we about. We talked about social media last week, dude. Like, I'm what? just saying, like, I don't want to go like Is real. girly? I don't want to go like real girl, like, uh-huh. you know, cooking or planting flowers or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? All right. So if you have any feedback about what that just no, no. was, okay, David at I'm an idiot I'm dot com. All right, Debbie. So if you no seriously, Barbarian tell us what you would like to talk about, and and we will have you on the show. Um, you know, you and Chris could could do that together, or just you. So you you let maybe just you because if Chris was on there, the dudeness might. Might bleed over too much. Yeah. So seriously, do it. We we would love to have you on the show. No uh, doubt about it. The book that I wanted to recommend. Killing Calvinism, mm. How to Destroy a Perfectly Good Theology from the Inside. Uh, you can get it off of Amazon good things for 10 bucks. Uh, it is it is written by a Calvinist, and he is just talking about all of the, the problems that go along with some of the new Calvinists and some of the attitudes, the arrogance, the views. And um, it, is, it, is, it is a really well done book. And if you are a Calvinist, if you've kind of leaned in that direction, Highly recommend reading that book because I I think it is uh, I think it's excellently done about essentially not being a container of Summer's Eve. I think that's important. All right, so if you have thoughts, oh my god, <laughs> you actually threw me off there, Chase. All right, so there's a couple ways to get in touch with us. Um, we we do love feedback. Um, obviously, don't what mind um, different interactions. Let's move on, boys. Um, Thegospelfriends dot com is the place. Oh, help us, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> That's probably Jesus. going to need to be edited out. Not Jesus, take it. the will. <laughs> um, thegospelfriends.com is going to be the place uh, to find all our contact info. We've got email. We've got Twitter. We've got Facebook. Hall we got it all. 
is um, the, probably the, the biggest community where we all hang out. And it, there's a little bit of everything, um, but we, we love one another and have a good time there. Amen. Um, don't be what Chase just referenced, and we'll let you stay. Um, mm. For that is going to be it for this show. Tune in next time when you may hear, um, what do we call you? Just Reverend No, yeah, the, the other thing. I don't know. What did you call him? Uh, probably not anything that can be probably, said again. The, the initials? No. No, it was before that. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, well. Captain Caveman? Misogynistic McConnell. No. That's what I hear him say. All right, so listen, Chase. In the Greek, when, when it says turn the other cheek, it doesn't actually mean turn the other cheek. And plus, there's only one verse anyway. <laughs> there's only one verse, so I mean, you need at least three verses. <laughs> Awesome. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine.